everybody. Welcome new people and old people and everyone to our church. My name is Tony. I am the English ministry pastor here at TLC. It's good to have you guys. We're excited uh, for God's word today. A um, couple things, a couple things. We have a lot of things going on in church. If you, see, if you came to church, it was kind of really busy. They're having some sort of like couple counseling, like marriage stuff going on over there. You know, they, they just said like we need to work with some couples, so they have, they have that going on. We have some stuff here at Sports League today at the church. Praise God for that. Woo-hoo. Okay, we are in a series called Making Room for Jesus, Making Room for Jesus, yes, Making Room for Jesus, and you know, like, our goal, our goal here at TLC, our goal here at TLC is uh, we want to make sure that we're, our, we're putting our faith into action. We actually want to live out your faith that you say you believe in, right, and sometimes uh, by doing that, we have to go outside our, our boundaries of security, our boundaries of um, comfort. And, but I get it. This, this series was, was, it was built because oftentimes in the middle of our distracted life, we tend to not make room for God. We tend to kind of push God aside, put him into a kind of like a box that we'll get back to him once everything else is taken care of. And once that everything, it seems to take a little longer than most oftentimes, right? So we, we don't make room for Jesus. We kind of uh, sweep him under the rug, and once in a while we take him out and we kind of flaunt him a little bit just to put him back in, okay? My heart here today, our, the series goal is to make sure that we understand that we ought to make room for him in every part of our lives, okay? And you know, I, I, every, every week I kind of do my best to review what we've been talking about, but I thought about this whole entire um, week. and like, what, what's one word that I can just kind of put all of this under? What's one phrase that can make all of this under the, how do I actually make room for Jesus, right? Not just, not just because you're chosen, not just because you, you have trust in Jesus, uh, that he ought to be the one that, you, that changes you, that molds you, that, that, that moves you differently, uh, not just seeking repentance. What's one word that actually encompasses all of this for us to make room for Jesus? The answer is this, is that you have to remember your identity. That's all it is. Okay? Making room for Jesus is making sure that you remember who you are in him. Oftentimes, when we forget who we are, the result is we end up being distracted over and over by things around us. Look at the person next to you and say, remember who you are. You are my son, right? Once and future king, right? You know? Uh, remember who you are. That's the hard part. That's, that is the, that's the journey of it. It's if you remember who you are, loving people becomes easier. If you remember who you are, trusting God and not money, not relationship, not family becomes a little bit easier. Remembering who you are helps you to actually obey and seek for change, not stay stagnant in your faith or in the person that you are. Remembering who you are takes you out of that room of guilt, whether you're actually, um, that room where it makes you, that courtroom that makes you feel whether you've made it or you haven't. Remembering who you are brings you always to a spirit of repentance. You guys get me? All right, and today we're going to talk about this. Remembering who you are. Remembering who you are always makes room you to deal with conflicts. When you have conflicts within each other, with each other, conflicts with people outside the world, conflicts, remembering who you are gives you the ability to deal with conflicts well. So that's my hope. My hope is to get you guys to think about this. In the middle of discussions or anger towards your family, your friends, people in the church, people outside the church, how do we deal with conflicts well? 
How do we deal with this in a way that's honorable to God? How do we deal with this in a way that makes room for Jesus, right? How do we deal with this in a way that actually helps us to remember our identity? You guys follow me? All right, open your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. You guys can turn there. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Let me read this for you guys. If any of you has a dispute with one another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent enough to judge trivial cases? Do angels, I mean, do you not know that you will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges even men of little account in the church. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother goes to law against another, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your word today. And I just pray, Lord, that as a church, as bodies, as family, as friends, as we gather here to listen to it and to hear what you have to say, Father, I pray that we would cultivate a spirit that remembers our identity, a spirit, O oh Lord, that teaches us how to deal with conflicts within the body, within the church, teaches us, Lord God, how to see people better. So I praise you. I thank you for your word uh, to start, and I ask God that your Holy Spirit, would you come and begin to work and stir and convict the lives of our brothers and sisters here. We praise you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are in, uh, Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, right? This church uh, in the city of Corinth is basically like it's, it's like a metropolis city. There's multicultural, the people come there to get rich or die trying, right? This church has been established for over 10 years, and it's gone to a point where it's gone, it's just the church gone wild. The church has gone crazy, it's gone wild. They were arguing and they were div- uh, divided over reasons uh, of spiritual authority. They, they were divided in their community, right? They weren't looking to the Word of God to help mediate their problems anymore. They were divided because they were looking towards their experience. They were thinking about their own personal uh, opinion, right? So instead of transforming their culture, transforming their family, their lives, their community, instead of doing that, they were just actually reflecting their community. The group was divided. In the group, we had a bunch of people who were a little bit more spiritual, a little bit more kind of like attuned to uh, what's right and what's wrong, at least in the Christian religious sense. And so they started looking down on the people who were more like open, kind of freeing, kind of like, hey, you know what, let's, let's try to be a, a, a church that, that embraces people. And so both groups of people in the church started like yelling and, 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 and dissing each other. One group thought they were superior, uh, spiritually superior than the other group. And the other group of people thought they were just, you know, uh, at least socially superior than the other group, right? They had this issue, and they started fighting with one another, divided, dividing the whole church in half. Rather than making an impact, they were hurting their community. And so today we're talking about conflict. You know, back then, the way you deal with conflict was kind of like um, you would go to this public area, like a public, uh, public uh, room, to deal with disputes, and not public, but outside open square to deal with disputes. Like, for example, it would be like us going to, like, uh, Asian Garden Mall, right? Vietnamese people going to Asian Garden Mall. You know, anyone who comes over here who's Vietnamese, they want to go to that place because it's, like, the spot for some reason, right? 
kind of like that, but so they have a spot in their city, right? It's pretty open. It's the open uh, courtyard. You go there, and in front of everybody, there's this kind of the seat called the bima seat. Everyone say bima. Not bimer, bima. Okay, bima, which is the judgment seat. There's a judge that sits there. The two people will come up. They'll uh, lay their cases down, and then there's a jury of about 40 to 100 people deciding whether this is right or wrong. And Paul is writing to them. And he's saying, look. All of these issues you have, you're bringing it into the outward courtroom. All these people outside are looking at you as Christians, as representation of Jesus Christ, right? And what you're doing is instead of actually lifting up the gospel and moving the mission forward, living out your identity, what you're doing is you're being notorious, you're bringing notoriety towards the name of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. And you've damaged the gospel, Modern-day example of this would be a church a pastor gets caught stealing money within the church, but instead of actually dealing with it in-house, they post it all over the news. So everyone who watches the news, they say, oh, look at that. Look at these Christians, right? Once again, doing something dumb, right? Not thinking about those who are actually on the background doing their best to redeem this world, but what we see are believers being plastered against uh, the news, having the gospel stopped because of who they are. So Paul writes, this, writes to them to correct this issue. And today what we're going to be talking about is this. We're going to talk about the major problem of why conflicts happen and how to deal with it within the church, within people who are believers and non-believers, between true believers. I'm going to share with you guys how to go about doing that faithfully. And I'm going to share with you guys how to think about it as you go into this, okay? Because the most important thing you have to remember today, okay, Everything that comes forth, every issue that comes forth is a spiritual issue. And the spiritual issue is because you have forgotten your identity. Everyone say identity. Okay? Whenever you forget identity, you forget and you begin to start moving towards different directions. Let me look at verse 1 through 5. Let me read this to you guys real fast. It says, if any of you has a dispute, if there's a problem with one another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you were to judge the world, are you not competent enough to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges of even men of little account in the church. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute? He's not saying that courts suck. Okay? He's not saying that you should never go to court. He's not saying that the justice system in, in, in the city you live in blows. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is the dispute you have among you, the problem that you have with each other, these are spiritual issues. Okay? And if they're spiritual issues, they have to be belt, dealt with in a spiritual way. Right? You have to work within the family of God because how can someone outside the church not understand the spiritual issue if they don't know what's going on? Outside the church, they don't, they don't know who God is or who Jesus is or the whole process. So how can you bring a spiritual issue towards them or, or in front of them to have them deal with the case? Right? Spiritual issues, for example, greed. Right? He wants more than what he originally asked for. He did business with someone in the church. They gave you a quote. This is the money. And then when you finished the job, they doubled it. They said, that's greedy. Right? And he said, I'm going to take you to court. And Paul's saying, why? Because he's being greedy. He's taking more money than he, what he told me. That's true. But let's bring it before the house. Let's bring it into the family. Because the greediness, the greediness 
is not to say, oh, stop being greedy. Let me, let me slap your hand. That's bad. The greediness is a symptom of forgotten what? Identity. You forgot who you are, and so you respond to a life of greediness, especially if these are two believers. You guys get me? These are two believers. How should Christians deal with disputes? Let's say sex, right? Let's say you found out somebody just sleeps around with everybody. They found out you slept around with everybody in the church somehow. That's kind of weird, but everyone, so that just happens as an example, okay? That just happens. So you should say, stop, bad boy, or stop, bad girl, right? Why would you do that? So how you, in the, or, you know what? Let's take it to court. You know, my, you're, the, you're the father of my, the father of my kid, right? I'm, like, I'm not, your, I'm not the, the kid's father. Who knows who you slept with, right? You get all this thing going on. Bible says, why are you arguing about this? Why are you making this big? Bring it to the church. Because the issue of just sexual morality, the issue of just you just sleeping around like that, that's a spiritual issue. Spiritual issue means that you have forgotten, or whoever is doing it has forgotten their identity. Right? Drunkenness. Right? My husband took money to feed his addiction, or you know, there's drunkenness happening all over the place. You just say, oh, stop that. You stop it right now, you bad person, you. Is that how we deal with the problem? No, it's never. Those are just symptoms of the bigger issue. The issue is you have forgotten your identity. You've forgotten who you are. It's a Vietnamese phrase. You guys ever heard? I mean, some of you guys might not know it. Some of you guys might know it because your parents probably nag you about it. And it goes like this. I'll explain it in English in a little bit. It says, Đi đâu đi nhớ ba mẹ. Right? You ever heard that phrase? It means it like this. Wherever you go, just remember your mom and dad. Okay? Wherever you go, remember your mom and dad. Now, sometimes we take that phrase to mean, oh, they want me to represent them. They don't want me to look stupid. So they don't, they don't want to look stupid. So I got to make sure I look better. Right? That's, that's the thing. But also, you know what it also means? Remember that what you do, it grieves me when you get hurt, right? What you do, if you're doing something dangerous, it hurts me if you're getting hurt. And so when that phrase comes out, it's very much similar to the picture of identity. When God is saying, would you remember your identity? That what you do is a representation of me? That you are my child? Is, uh, let me ask you this question. It's a good question. I asked this for TGIF. Is all human beings God's children? Are all human beings God's children? No. Right? All human beings are God's image. Right? But God's children, that title of child of God, is given only to those who say, Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. You don't believe me? Read your Bible. That's because y'all didn't read your Bible. Y'all got this fortune cookie like, we all God's children, guys. Right? No. God's children, the Bible says, are those who says Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, it says, those who call on the name of Jesus, he is given the right to be called children of God. Children born not of natural decision or a man's will, but children born of the Spirit. Children of God is a title given only to those who say Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. So if you are a child of God, that's your identity. He is your father. He looks at you all the time, and he says this, don't forget your identity. Wherever you go, whatever you do, remember that you represent me. And secondly, what you do grieves my heart. What you do breaks my heart. The decisions you make that's dangerous, that is broken for you, it grieves my heart. And so Paul comes into this, and he's saying, look at the dispute that you guys are having among you. Look at the fights that you're having. 
You're greedy. You're lying to each other. You're finding loopholes. Think about this. If you are, if you are someone who, who focuses only on the symptoms, saying like, and I know this for sure, for a fact, right? You say like, hey, stop doing that. Guess what? They're going to stop, right? If you, if you have enough force in them, you, they're going to stop. But they're going to do what? They're going to do it behind your back. They're going to find a way to do it. They're going to find loopholes to do the thing that they want to do anyway. Because you just dealt with the symptom, you didn't deal with the problem. The problem is broken. That's an I. Say it. Identity. That's the problem. The symptom is just what happens. Come on. How do I know this? My son, right? My son is notorious for this. Right? Sometimes he, uh, he comes up to me, he says, um, he tells me some random story, right? And I say, are you lying to me? And, you know, he's like, no, right? I say, Seth, don't lie. It's not good. He's okay. You know, he, you know what he does now? He, he goes and lies. He says, after, after he sees that face, he says, just kidding. I'm not lying. It was a joke, Daddy, but he's actually lying. Like, he's, he's, he's developed this habit of lying, but he just calls it, it's just joking, you know? And so what's, what was my job? It says, you know, don't joke either, right? Is that, is that, is that what, I, what, I want, what I should tell him? No. My job is, hey, we don't lie. He said, why, Daddy? Because, right, you're a Christian. That's who you are, right? We represent somebody. Okay, Daddy, right? Does he get it? I don't know. We'll see. All right? But Paul is saying here, Paul is saying, here's a dispute that you guys have among you. It's a spiritual problem based on broken identity that one or the other person or both parties has. And you're taking an identity, spiritual identity problem, you take it outside towards people who's just like black and white. Look, you did this, it was unfair, cross it out. When the reality is we're supposed to take it within the house and say, let's deal with the actual problem. Did you forget your identity? Did you forget who you are? What's going on? What's, what's driving this for you? Okay? So that's what Paul says in verse 2 to 4. He says, get yourself a mediator. Is there nobody in this house wise enough to stand between the two of you to mediate this problem? Is there nobody in this house wise enough to say, let me help you return back to your identity? Is there no salt leader that you have that can say, hey, let me talk to so-and-so about this? Are there no pastors, are there no elders, are there no leaders here at TLC that can actually stand in and mediate this problem? Because you know what a leader and a salt leader and a pastor, what they do? They don't just say, oh, you should stop that. Right? They don't just slap your hands and say, stop doing that. What they do is they say, what's going on? What's driving that? Why is, where are you where is the driving force of this action? Have you forgotten your identity? That's what the mediator does. They bring it back to Jesus. They bring it back to saying, are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Do you know that you represent who he is? Do you think broken sins like gossip, pornography, sex, lying, drugs, drunkenness, do you think all of that is just slap on the wrist saying that's bad? No, those are symptoms of forgotten identity. You guys get me so far? I'll give you an example, okay, a mediator. I got in a fight one time with Trisha, like my, me and my wife, like husband and wife fight, like we just went at it, right? It was just nonstop. And I was like, I, was, I just, I, from my heart, I knew I was right. You know, sometimes I'm like, I'm right, you know? And then my wife says, she knows she's right. She says, I'm right. And it's like, you know, like, and I'm just quoting scriptures to her. She's like, screw that, you know, like, I can't beat you. You know what I want to do? I'm a cotton wang, right? I was like, you call him, right? He'll, he'll, he'll definitely take my side, right? So if you guys know who I'm wearing, he's one of our elders here at our church, right? You know, uh, we, uh, we look to him. And so I said, you call him. 100% he's going to take my side. I ain't scared, right? So she called, right? She said something. She, he called me. I was like, hey, you hear about it? He said, yeah. 
I'm right, right? He says, nope, you're wrong. But I was mad. He said, I'm, I'm wrong? Did you, did you get, let me tell you the full story, because maybe she gave you the, like, the, the, her version of it. He was, I told her the story, he's like, you're still wrong. I'm like, hey, bro, be honest with me right now, okay? Are you just saying this because you just don't want us to fight anymore, and you just want to sweep this on the rope, or am I really wrong? He's like, you're really wrong. I said, okay, cool. I said, do you understand why you're wrong? I said, no, right? I don't understand. So what are you going to do? I'm going to go apologize, but you, say, but, you, but you don't understand. Said, That's not the point. The point is not about me understanding whether I'm right or wrong. The point is I trust you, right, as a godly man. If you tell me I messed up, there must be some sort of wisdom that you know that at my age I do not know yet, okay? So I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to, Swallow my pride, I'm going to call my wife, I'm going to apologize to her right now. And he kept asking me, but do you understand? I said, I just told you I don't understand, man. Like, I don't, right? But I trust you. You're my mediator. Are you not? Unless you're just giving me bad advice. He said, no, it's true. You're wrong. But I want you to understand why you're wrong. I said, I understand when I'm your age, okay? Right now, I just have to trust you, right? Hung up the phone, called my wife. I said, okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. He said, I'm wrong. He said, but do you know why you're wrong? I said, look, the point is not whether I know why I'm wrong or not. The point is that I am wrong, okay? And I'm apologizing for being wrong, okay? I'll figure out the right later, okay? I'll, I'll feel the right later, or I'll feel the wrong later. You guys get me? Okay? The point was, and he, of course, he, he didn't just say I'm wrong. He, he told me, like, the whole reason, and then, you know, I've forgotten some stuff, and blah, 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 husband stuff, you know, right? And... And so in the same way, when there are disputes among Christians in the house that bears his name, and you begin to argue with each other, and you can't get along, Paul says, why don't you bring in the mediator? Bring in a godly individual that you trust, that, that has discernment, that has wisdom. Right? If, you're, if you're dealing with business, if it's domestic issue, bring in a godly counselor. If it's like business issue, bring in a godly business person, judgment that you both agree on, right? Bring in somebody who will look at the facts and say, okay, all right, this is what I see. This is the issue. This is the heart of it. This is where we're wrong. This is where we missed the mark. This is how we move forward. And you agree to move forward that way. You know how we got this church? Every story of our church, a tea at this building? Before we were at this building, this location, we are at another location called Westminster, right down, right in front of Westminster High School, Okay? This church was owned by a Methodist church. There's a plaque out there that tells, tells about the story of it. The Methodist church, seven Samoan people still lived in this church. That was it. That was just seven people. You imagine only seven people at service right here like this? Seven people for like years. They could not move this church out. So they said, we're going to sell. Okay? This is the price they were asking for. Boom. TLC comes in and says, okay, this is what we can pay. Boom. Right? And there's a problem. You're like, okay, well, you're lowballing us. And we're saying, well, this is all we can afford. Well, reality is we can afford a little, we could have gone up a little more, right? Like, this is all we can go, right? And he said, but this is the asking price, right? This is the asking price. This is where we can go. And we're thinking, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll, they'll give it to us. And then, a couple months later, another buyer comes in and says, this is what I'll offer you. Boom, right? Up to this point. And they were like, whoa, like, TLC, boom, or contractor, boom, right? In any, any situation, if you're like a wise, you're like, dude, go with the higher price. You know what I'm saying? Right? Go with the higher price because obviously these Christians are lowballing us or they just really can't afford it. We don't know what's going on, right? But they're offering this price that's way below our actual market value. So they, so they got a mediator. 
You got someone that was trusted on both sides came in, and they said this, look, you're right. They're not offering you a fair price, right? It's like a bunch of Vietnamese they're offering you down here, right? It's supposed to be at least right here. At least get close to it. They're right here. Here's the contractor. You're right. But here's the thing. The contractor is going to make them into a parking lot. TLC, at least they're intangibles. This place will be filled with uh, people every Sunday. You continue the godly legacy of building sons and daughters for God's kingdom. Right? You may fight the budget and have to lose about a million dollars, right? but we win a godly legacy from this. What do you guys think? And after that mediation, they're thinking about it, they're praying about it, and they said, fine, okay, we'll sell it to us, right? And when, when they told us, we, we, when I found out that we, they actually took the I was like, dude, there's some godly people in that church, right? <laughs> because, man, if it, was, if it was TLC making the budget, like, nope, either you get closer or we ain't selling, right? 100%. You know, there are some godly people there with discernment, okay? How should Christians deal with disputes? You have to remember, the dispute that you have oftentimes, majority of times, stems from, listen, a spiritual issue. The spiritual issue is that you have forgotten your identity. You have forgotten that as a son of God, as a daughter of God, you represent your father. And you have forgotten that what you do oftentimes grieve your father. And so remember your identity. And when you go back to that, then you begin to make the right decisions. Now let me add, some of you guys are thinking like, whoa, whoa, hold on. What about crimes, PT? Like, are we supposed to like deal with crimes like in-house, like not let people know? You know? What if like my neighbor or my, my roommate, you know, has like Osama Bin Laden poster on his wall. Like there's like a meth lab going on in the kitchen and there's like TikToking going on in the closet, right? Like, like, <laughs> like what, <laughs> that's like, what do I do? Like, don't call me, right? Don't call your salt leader. Don't call your board. Don't call your elders, okay? You know who you call? You call the Marines. You call the FBI. You call people to come in and deal with this because we don't deal with crimes, okay? Crimes, let's, crime needs to be punished, okay? Crime needs to be punished. If someone is sleeping, if, if there's like a, a leader here that's sleeping around with uh, a child, that's a crime. You need to call that out. You need to make sure people know about that, okay? We don't cover up crimes here. We report that. Okay, we obey the law of the government. Romans 13, we obey the law of the government. But when it comes to dispute, trivial matters that deals with areas of greed, areas of just um, broken addictions, constant addictions, is there not someone wise enough, broken marriages, broken relationships, is there not someone wise enough to come into this, 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 this conflict and give wisdom to it? You guys follow me? All right, you guys follow me? Okay. What about this? What if the dispute happens uh, outside the church, PT, between a Christian and a non-Christian? Okay? So, so far, Paul's talking about Christian and non-Christian, uh, Christian and Christian, but what about a Christian and non-Christian? Okay? If a Christian has been wrong, if a Christian has been cheated, if, you have, if, you, if you're in a relationship, if you've been wrong, if you've been cheated, right, seek justice. You guys get me? Christians are Christians, but we're not doormats. Okay? Just because we love people doesn't mean that we let go of justice. We let go of something that's wrong. If it's, if, it's, if it's the right thing to do, justice is very important to God, we need to seek justice. Now, what happens if Christians are the ones doing the wrong? Right? Then you better wake up and right the wrong. Great story about this was Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus, the wee little man, right, who couldn't, who couldn't see past the crowd. He climbed up. He was a tax collector, cheated all his people, right? Climbed up the tree. Jesus saw him, brings him down, restores his identity, who he is. 
And then what does Zacchaeus do? He knows that he has wronged so many people, he says, I will pay them all back and more. He writes the wrong because of his identity. You guys get me? He didn't write the wrong just because Jesus says, go write the wrong. That's a bad boy. He shouldn't be stealing money. He says, this is who you are. So go do right by it. What if the dispute is between two believers and the person in the middle, the mediator, couldn't help it? Well, someone came in and couldn't help it. They, they did their best. They brought someone in, and they were being um, rebellious. They said, no, I'm still right. I know I'm right. It doesn't matter what you say, right? I think you're wrong. I think you're mistaken. I want another opinion. What if a mediator cannot help a Christian's dispute? Look at verse 6 to 8. This is what he says. Instead, one brother goes to law against another, and this in front of unbelievers. Here, here's a brother and a brother. You couldn't, you couldn't deal with this in the house of God. You couldn't deal with it within the family. So you bring this to the courtroom. Verse 7, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. Right? When two Christians get in a fight, and the issue is a spiritual issue, and the media cannot come in to deal with this, how do you fix this? You exercise discernment. Okay? You have to ask the question, okay, listen guys, if I pursue this, would it be in the best interest of the gospel? How would this reflect on Jesus and the church? You bring it back to the picture of the one who you call your Savior and your Lord. You bring it back to him. He's the one watching. He's the one orchestrating. He is the one whose name is on your heart. He is the one whose name you represent or you claim to represent. And so here you are, you're two people, you cannot deal with this, it doesn't help, what do you do? You bring it back to him and you say, Jesus, is what I'm doing, is what I'm going to be doing, whatever I'm going to engage in, is it in the best interest of your news? Is it in the best interest of your name? Is it in the best interest of this body? What will it cost me if I pursue this? Will this end the friendship that I have with this other believer? Right? What would this do to the witness of the gospel? What would this do to the name of Jesus? We bring it back to him. If we can't mediate this, we bring it back to Jesus. And there will be times when you will say the best thing for the name of Jesus is to go to court. Right? There will be times. I'm going to give you an example of a time like this. So you guys are like, when? Okay? There will be a time when the best thing between two Christians that cannot see the eye to eye and whose mediator cannot work, the best thing for you to do is to go to court. You know when? An example of this? During the civil rights movement. There were Christians on the African-American side, there's Christians on the white side, right? They're both Christian, and they cannot see eye to eye. The Christian on the white side, just, be, just, just keep calm, lay low, it'll be okay. This side was like, we got to speak up. There's justice that needs to be done, right? Both believers, they could not see eye to eye, and so what happens? It went to the court. It went to the law because they were fighting for something more. When Martin Luther King Jr., he walked into the uh, Christian churches in Alabama, the white churches, he says... He didn't say, you know what, you guys be Christian. He says, be more Christian. You've forgotten your identity. You've gotten up to this point, but be more Christian. There's justice that needs to be fought for. So oftentimes, there are times when you will both have to go to court. And you're fighting for something deeper than just your trivial pursuit, your trivial matters. You're fighting deeper for a cause of God, right? For God's gospel to, to, to move forward for the rights of humanity. But other times, you're going to look at this and say, 
it's really not worth it. Because even if I win, it's going to harm the church. It's going to harm the name of Jesus, the reputation of the gospel. It's not worth it. So what do you do? You bite the bullet and you take the hit. Right? You bite the bullet and you take the hit. Some of you guys are thinking like, whoa, why do I have to bite the bullet? Why can't they bite the bullet, you know? Why do I have to take the hit? Why can't they take the hit? And, and let's be honest, no one does that, PT. Like, no one, and that's the problem. That's the problem. You're so caught up in fighting for your personal identity that you've forgotten that you are representing a different identity. You're representing a name that's, that's, that's bigger than any name, a cause that's bigger than any cause, and you're here, you're so worried about how you look how you feel, right? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just throwing this out there. Just you know, just give, uh, just do this. We have a great, we have a great model that has taught us how to do this. Who? Who took the hit? Who took the hit? Jesus Christ, right? We don't look to ourselves. We look to the cross. Jesus was wrongly accused. He's a man in his prime, a young man, right? Forced to die a death he did not deserve. He told people. This is what he said. If I wanted to, if I, I can end the game right now. If I wanted to, I can end this whole entire thing. Where I can call a thousand angels down and be done with this. And to show you that I am right and you're wrong. But what does he do instead? I could do that, but that would change nothing. That would, that would do nothing. What I am going to do instead is I'm going to take the cross. Because I know that only in death can there be life. Only in personal sacrifice can it really change and win people's hearts over. Only when you're willing to let go can you actually win. And that's, it's, it's, it's the secret, it's not even a secret, it's reality, and yet we still have the hardest time dealing with it. If you are in a group of people and you're the one that's willing to take the hit, guess what? The whole group wins, right? If you're in a group of people and you're all fighting, like, like you know, you do it, no, you do it, you do it. Y'all get in a fight, and this, things go on forever. But if one person takes the hit, the whole group wins. Isn't that weird? That's reality. That's truth. That's gospel. Sometimes you need to take it to the courtroom. Other times it's better that you swallow your pride and you take it. Why not rather be cheated? Why not rather be defrauded? Instead of making the gospel, the name of Jesus, the message broken and halted and stopped of who you are, because of your pride, because of your personal need to be right, because your sense of, I don't want to be cheated. Your identity is no longer yours, it's back to Jesus. You guys follow me? The Father is saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, everything you do reflects me. Right? Everything you do reflects me, and everything you do also grieves me. The good you do, I'm lifted up, the worst you do, it grieves my heart. Remember your identity. Paul's big problem with the church, okay? His real issue with the church is that they've lost sight of their identity, therefore they've lost sight of their mission. Because you forgot who you are, you don't make room for Jesus. Because you've forgotten who you are, you get distracted in life. Because you've forgotten who you are, you go through your daily, day life, and Christ is no longer part of it or center of it. He's somewhere else. But when you remember your identity in every aspect, you treat people differently. Your trust is directed differently. Your, uh, your, your sense of worth is, uh, is different. 
Your sense of uh, change, your wanting to change is different, and your need to repent becomes more real and available. The church marred the gospel. Corinth, uh, church in Corinth, that's why I said church gone wild. They've, they've messed the gospel so badly up because when they start taking their brothers to court outside this, this, this uh, outward court, courtyard where everyone can see them, everyone's saying, like, look, look at these Christians, man. Just as petty, just as broken, just as lost. Right? What's different about that? Sometimes we say we need more cops to fix the problem. We need more CPS workers. We need more divorce courts. We need more battered women's shelters. We need more rehab. We need more patrol cars. We need more prisons. Can I tell you what you really need? Can I tell you what you really need? It's not more outside stuff. What you really need are spirit-led believers. What you really need is spirit-filled Christians. What you really need are sons and daughters who remember their identity and live that identity out. Right? You know why? Because if you know your identity, cops won't come looking for you. Right? You don't need the cops to come to get you. You're not doing anything. You're sitting there, you're reading your Bible, they come up, they say, what are you doing? I'm praying. Cool. Right? I tell the story, I remember I was, I was in college, and you know, we were worshiping God in my apartment, you know, we were just doing our worship, and cops came up. Right? They came up, they walked in our, our we were in our living, or our, our kitchen area, in our kitchen, our, our, sorry, our dining area, our dining area, Faces the this is huge window that when you walk up you have to walk past to see us right so here we are you know a bunch of Christian guys just sitting there worshiping and you know praying praising God they came up and like, what are you guys doing um worshiping they're like oh okay um, your neighbors thought you guys were partying I was like nope just worshiping okay cool see you guys later all right off have a good day <laughs> right walks down walks away right you know if if, if you don't need a breathalyzer because you're not ever drunk, right? You're not drinking and driving. All right, pause for a little bit. Let that sink in for a little bit. You won't need that. You won't need that. Because you know your identity. You guys get me? The identity is there. It's when the identity is not there, that's when the problem comes up. When you've forgotten identity, that's when the problem comes up. You don't need a rehab bed because you're not doing drugs, right? You don't need a battered woman's shelter because you don't beat your wife or anyone. You don't need CPS to come check on your kids because when they come, they see what your kids are doing. They're just watching VeggieTales, right? Nothing to look at. You don't need prisons to keep you from doing evil because the Holy Spirit who lives in you only when Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord, right, who's called you now his child, his son, his daughter, Changes your heart. You guys follow me? It is your identity that keeps conflicts at bay. It's the remembering of your identity that keeps conflicts at bay. When you forget your identity, when you get distracted, that's when the conflicts begin to pop up and show up and get real. You know? I remember I was, I was handcuffed for uh, supposedly soliciting a prostitute, right? I wasn't doing that. You know, I was helping a woman change her tires, right? I felt bad for her, so I gave her 50 bucks to buy a new tire, and the cops saw me give her, granted, it was nighttime, granted, your pastor looks shady at nighttime, right? Granted, the lady was a little bit shady too. I mean, all the, all the stuff that was naturally there was there, and then when they pulled up and my hand was giving her money, obviously I got arrested and put in the car, and like, you know, and the, and the cop was like, what are you doing? I was like, dude, man, I'm just, I was just changing her tires, and you know, I was, uh, 
I was just giving her money for a new tire. She's like, yeah, right, you know? Long story short, but I, I wasn't worried because I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong, right? It's only when I'm doing something wrong, you get freaked out about it. But, you know, I not anything wrong. But I'll tell you, this is going to be a good story. So I just got get, I was handcuffed in the back of the car. I was just sitting there, right? The woman did all the fighting for me. She was like, you stupid mother cops, right? You know, he's a pastor. How dare you arrest him? You know, like, what is wrong with you? You know, like, what are you guys doing? You know, my tires. Long story short. Anyways, you don't need to worry. If you're led by the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, you know your identity. You don't find yourself in messes, right? That messes you up. Should we be in prisons? Yeah. But visiting criminals, not because we are a criminal, right? Should we be at the abused women's shelter? Of course. Not because we've been abused, but because we're helping women redeem themselves from brokenness. We need cops in your life. We need, we need, we, we, we're going to have a cop. We're going to have a cop for the first time. I'm so excited, right? I'm so excited to have a cop in our church for the first time ever, right? We need attorneys, we need military, we need judges, we need people who work in social service, works with children. We need all of those people there, okay? God's people should be filling up those slots of helping people, not filling up the slots of actually being the people who need help. They should be going to serve people because they're spirit-led, they know their identity, and they're the ones who are helping relieve conflict, not the one causing conflict. You guys get me? Right? To love and serve, to introduce people to Jesus Christ in those areas. That's how you become, that's how you represent him wherever you go. So my prayer is this, church, okay? The problem that we have with each other sometimes is not a simple slap your wrist, you did wrong, stop doing it. That's not the problem. The way you begin to correct, change, and love upon someone is not saying stop that, don't do it anymore, look at me, right? to say, do you remember who you are? Are you a son of Jesus? Or son of, are, you, are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Yes, I am. Do you represent that? Maybe not right now. That's okay. But can you go back to that? Do you remember that? Yes. Because when you remember that, you know what happens? Repentance comes. When repentance comes, you know what happens? Change comes. When change comes, trust comes along with it. Love comes along with it. Everything else comes along with it when you remember your identity, right? The worst thing that we can do as a church, guys, the worst thing that you can do as church people is to create division by thinking you're either superior or that you're better socially or religiously, right? If you think you're better socially, like, dude, we're the cool group in the church, everyone knows that, we're the fun group, or, you know, we're the smart people in the church, we're the only ones that actually read the Bible, we, yeah, we know that, right? If you create division that way, you're not building the church, you're breaking the church. You guys get me? What you need to do, always remember, you know that you are a representation of the Father. You are his son, you are his daughter. What you do grieves his heart. I'm concerned about you. I'm worried about you. Let's go back. Let's go back to Jesus. You guys get me? Right? Not slap on the hand. You did wrong. Let me fix that. You can fix the symptom, but you never fix the actual problem. The problem is we need a restoration of Christ's identity in our hearts. That's how you beat gossip. That's how you beat envy. That's how you beat pornography. That's how you beat um, greed. That's how you beat lies. That's how you beat sex. That's how you beat drunkenness. That's how you beat those things. It's not just simply going cold turkey and say, I got this. Restoring the actual identity 
Those things will always bring conflict no matter what happens. But those things bring conflict only because you've forgotten your identity. So come back to it. Remember that. Repent always brings change. Change always restores God's people. Amen? All right, let's pray. Savior, I come, quiet my soul.